Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 Dub Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into to today, so let's not let us not waste any time let's head out to the circus sports guest hotline and joining us from the sporting tribune grant mona grant how are you doing good doing good on this wednesday how are you doing arash good morning i am good good morning uh we have two two zero matchups in the championship series uh you know barring uh a amazing comeback it could be we'll see we'll see texas and philadelphia um real quick before we get into some other stuff i wanted to get your thoughts there uh two of the hottest teams in baseball right now um and by the way folks if if that is the matchup texas would have home field advantage uh grant your thoughts there yeah uh it's trending towards a Texas Philadelphia World Series, but like, you know, I, we always try to get ahead of ourselves here. The Astros usually prove us wrong a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as the Rangers, you know, they're clicking on all cylinders. Yes, they have uh, Max Scherzer coming back for this game three. And yes, they're going to be at home for the next couple games, but the Astros do play well on the road. They didn't have a very good home record in the regular season, so maybe that's something to look forward to for them. You can go on the road and kind of take back home field advantage. Um, And for them, they are still an extremely talented team. I know the Rangers have an excellent offense and one of the best in the league all throughout the regular season. But for Texas, I think you just got to put your foot on their neck and just say, hey, Let's take full control this series. Let's go up 3-0. Let's make sure that the Astros don't come back because I know a lot of fans are rooting against the Astros and I know a lot of fans in in our markets are rooting against the Astros for obvious reasons. Um, But, you know, for the Rangers, they have everything they need right now. They had Evaldi pitch very well in game two. Um, They're going to, like I said, they're going to get Max Scherzer back. It remains to be seen how Max Scherzer will be because he has had his recent postseason struggles with the Mets and with the Dodgers a couple years ago. So we don't know what version of Max Scherzer we're going to get in that series. Um, And in the NL, I mean, the the Phillies look far and away like the best team in the playoffs remaining. I mean, they won 10 to nothing yesterday against the uh, against the Diamondbacks and and the Diamondbacks. They swept the floor with the Dodgers. So it kind of tells you the gap there between the Dodgers and the Phillies. and, And in terms of what they can do, the Phillies look excellent too. Aaron Nola. He's had his postseason struggles as well in game two. He looked absolutely excellent. Um, he had every one of his pitches working. He was dialed in. And obviously that offense 
is elite again. They hit many, many home runs once again. Their their power and the offensive firepower that both the Rangers and the Phillies have and the, what they're trending towards, if we get this in the World Series, it could be an explosive and very fun World Series with two great home crowds, by the way. What do you think about this this notion that baseball obviously is a regional sport? So they, they want to have big cities. It does help to Dallas, you know, Texas, uh, be in there. Philadelphia, they're, they're very passionate passionate about their team. But in a larger scale, when you view it, the when you look at the game of the baseball, how can it grow larger than a regional sport? Again, a 162 game uh, season, and again, Fox is always hoping for you know Los Angeles, New York, perhaps Chicago. Um, is this a problem that's just going to continue again? I think that they're lucky that it's not the Diamondbacks. I, I, you know, if, mm-hmm. if they can avert the Diamondbacks being there. But by the way, there was a, a tweet today. Um, you can basically get three tickets for like less than $100 for game three of the National League Championship Series. How does the game of baseball grow? Yeah, I, I think you know they're, they're trending towards some of the things that you want to see. Obviously, they had all the new rule imp- implementations, and by all accounts, it, it's worked because a- attendance is up as far as it has been in a long time across mm-hmm. the regular season. And you know, the, as everyone knows, the regular season is a long affair. It's a six-month, five-month affair, and sometimes it can get boring. But with these new rules, people can go to the stadium at six or seven after work and be out of there by nine, and that really helped the growing of the game this year in terms of what they can do next i think it's just let the players have fun i mean i know there's still a lot of you know pushback on if guys should throw their bats and if guys should flaunt their chains and whatever that but they are doing it and i think that's why it's getting a little bit more of the young generation back into it in terms of the markets i think that you should probably if you're going to look to add any expansion teams or if you're going to do anything i know that there's a team coming to vegas and that will be huge because i think vegas is booming right now in terms of sports as it should be. I've wanted this for years. But you should add another team like Nashville because yeah. Nashville is a booming market. There's already people and former major leaguers that are saying, hey, we want to get into into this ownership group with that Nashville team. We want to bring a team to Nashville because, you know, before the Rays announced this stadium in, you know, I don't know when that's going to be completed. I think 2028, that whole development in St. Petersburg, there was a lot of, of talk about them maybe moving to Nashville and creating a new expansion team there. I think that would be an excellent move. Nashville is in the heart of the South. It's a great city. Um, you know, you have a lot of things going on there. Um, you already have the Titans there and everyone supports them. You're going to get a lot of fan support. So I think, you know, in, in terms of baseball, continue to grow to, to, a you know, the younger generation, but also not just that is that you got to do to the, you know, go to these markets that, are booming. Las Vegas is booming. Obviously, Seattle has a great fan base. Maybe push, you know, they had the Seattle, the All-Star game in Seattle. It was excellent. It was one of the best things they've done. Bring a team to Nashville. Maybe, I don't know if you're going to expand so many teams, but bring a team to Nashville. Maybe, you know, pushing the game towards the younger generation. I know there's been a lot of pushback on some of these rules, the pine tar, you know, the sticky stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the pitch clock, all that, maybe the, the robotic strike zone that we may get. I don't know about that, but just try things. You can always revert back. They've done this already. You, they've tried things and then reverted it back. Just like the NFL, they tried to review pass interference calls and then they just rolled it back because it just wasn't popular. So 
I think for the MLB, experiment. Why not try a robotic strike zone for a half a season? Maybe for a couple games here. Whatever it may be, you got to try to do some things to get more fans engaged and to grow that popularity and the, that attendance. Because if they're not going to shorten the regular season, which I do think that they should do, maybe to 120, whatever, give guys more rest. If they're not going to do that, you got to find more ways to keep people engaged throughout a five-month regular season. Uh, Grant, we are about a week away, perhaps less than that, depending on uh, who your team is, uh, before the uh, beginning of the National Basketball Association. Finally, he has tipping things off. Clippers played last night against the defending champions in the preseason. Um, your thoughts on that? Again, the Clippers defeated the Nuggets preseason game, I know. But, um, you know, the more that, that I, I, I've, I've watched this team in the preseason um, and there these 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 previous two wins, you know, and we've talked about this for quite some time, if they're healthy, man, like I, I, I just like them going on one last run at Crypto.com Arena before they move to Intuit Dome. And it'd be amazing if they if they had a run like that because again the last time that they were healthy and even Kawhi wasn't even healthy in the conference finals this team got to the conference finals the talent's there yeah, it, the, the Clippers, it, they're being slept on again. And, you know, it, it's for good reason. I mean, they haven't really lived up to the expectations in this 2-1-3 era, as a lot of people like to say with Kawhi and Paul George. But they still have a solid team on paper. And right now, uh, today, actually, James Harden is not even present yeah. with the Sixers. He has not even been with the Sixers since last Sunday. By all accounts, it looks like by all the reports, he's still in, he's in Houston right now. So I don't know what is going on with James Harden. It just seems like he went to practice. He was like, I'm all in with the basketball. I know I don't like Daryl Morey. I don't know what the situation with the Clippers and the Sixers are, but I feel like that may be hampering a little bit of this hype for the Clippers because I think a lot of people are just anticipating Harden going there. It still seems like they're very far apart on what they want because they don't want to part with Terrence Mann, and that's the biggest piece. I think if the Clippers were to say, hey, all right, fine, we'll give you Terrence Mann and that unprotected first-round pick in 2028, the deal would be done by now. Yeah. But the Clippers are adamant about not giving away a young asset like Terrence Mann and it's Terrence Mann's birthday today it's his 27th birthday he's not very young he's 27 young but you know not young in terms of 22 23 that you see with young prospects but he's still such a great piece in the preseason game last night he looked really good getting to his spots he was a great mid-range player he is that one I I don't think they should trade Terrence Mann I'm in the train to say keep Terrence Mann keep your team keep the asset James Harden's an expiring he didn't prove himself in the playoffs yes he has great stats in the regular season and I know that helps because you need to get a good regular season record to get a top seed but when you get into the playoffs, Terrence Mann is an asset. That's why the Sixers covet him so much is because they know he's that connector piece like a Bruce Brown, like an Austin Reeves that you see on the Lakers, like these guys that you see. And for the Clippers, I understand why they're not parting with Terrence Mann, but that's what's holding it up. And I think that's what's diminishing a lot of the hype is that people just think without James Harden, the Clippers are not going anywhere. But Paul George had 23 points in the first half against Denver last night. Yep. Kawhi Leonard didn't look that good, but he never looks good in the preseason. Yeah. He's always just coasting around. Bones Highland looks like a revelation for this team. He looks really good. They got him for two second round picks. So the vibes are high at Clippers camp and in preseason, but... 
I just think that the media is not really paying attention to them because of that hardened, you know, holdup, I guess you could say. You, excuse me, do you like their stance on James Harden? Effectively, it's that if we can get him for the price that we like, that that's fine. Mike, Mike, I think A is, do you like that? But B, great. I mean, is James Harden someone that you, you want on this team? I mean, let's play this out and let's just say Philadelphia is tired of this. And they do the trade a couple games into the season. At that point, like you, you've had your, um, you know, your 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 pre-camp in Vegas with Russell. You've had your training camp. You've had your preseason. You've had your trip to Hawaii. And I bring this up because those trips bond the team, right? When they get together voluntarily in Vegas, when they go to Hawaii, when they have a training camp, when they have a preseason. If this deal gets done, let's just play this out a week into the season, a couple weeks into the season. Do you like that? I don't. And uh, Arash, that's a big point that I've been been harping on is that the timing right now is just not good. I mean, you like you said, the vibes are high. They went to Hawaii. They had a great time. They were bonding. I, this is the most I've ever seen Kawhi laugh or smile and have fun with his teammates ever, like ever. And he's looks like he's beaming with happiness. And then you're you know, you're gonna trade away some guys that you've already bonded with in Hawaii that you've already been with camp with, and then you know two three games. I'd never seen a, a big blockbuster trade maybe one or three games into a season. I don't yeah. think I've. I, it's usually before training camp or, yeah. or at the trading deadline, right? Um, so uh, if they're going to make this trade this early, I don't think it'll play out well within the chemistry wise. Um, and and to begin, I don't even like the Harden fit anyways. I don't think he'll fit well with what the Clippers have. And I know that he led the league in assists at ten point seven a game last year, and that he all. You know, you can say what you want about him passing the ball, but James Harden is an ISO scorer. And Russell Westbrook, they brought Russell Westbrook in to lead that team and to get distribute the ball to those guys, the two one three guys. And if you bring in James Harden, that offense is going to be ISO heavy. We just know that. That's what James Harden has done everywhere. And it may work, you know, in a vacuum, but it's not going to work in the playoffs. So Sure, he can hold down the fort in the regular season, and sure, like it may work because there's just so much star talent and superpower on that team with James Harden. But in terms of basketball fit, I don't see how it would work. You're going to have to push Kawhi to the four. You're going to have to have Russell Westbrook probably play off ball, and he's not a good off ball player. So there's a lot of questions, even if this trade does go through to where I would just say, let's just see how the team gels, see how it goes until February, until that trade deadline, maybe even December or January. Let's see a couple months of it now before we make a major move like that. Exactly. Um, wanted to switch gears and talk to you about USC. Um, not that I expected them to go into South Bend and win, but I definitely expected that to be a one possession game late. Caleb Williams has his worst game of his career, three picks in the first half. Uh, if, if you're looking for a bright spot, and there's not a ton coming from that game, it was a non-conference game against a top 25 team that may be a top 10 team by the end of the season. I say that because this game Saturday against Utah technically sold out, but it was sold out before the Notre Dame game. So we'll <laughs> see what the crowd is actually like. Um, this is where their season begins in terms of if they want to go to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, they were not going to be undefeated this season. Again, I, I don't think they're just going to have that one loss. However, they are in position where 
and they do control their own destiny when it comes to the Pac-12 championship game, and it begins on Saturday. And I really think, Graham, their season could go one of two ways following this game. If they if they beat Utah, which would be such a significant win when you look at what Utah did to them a year ago, they beat them twice, including in the Pac-12 championship game, cost them a trip to the college football playoff. If they win this game... And if for some reason the switch comes on and the defense shows up and they play well, they have new life. Um, again, they, they've done zero to give me that confidence, but we'll see. Grant, <laughs> your thoughts on USC going to a very significant game Saturday at the Coliseum against Utah? Yeah, like you said, if there's any time to turn on the switch, it would be now because you just came off probably the worst game that Caleb Williams has played as a Trojan and you know that he's going to be motivated mm-hmm. and you lose, right? You lose in South Bend and then now you play the team that you, that knocked you off twice last year and kind of cost you that college playoff yep. and you're at home with a you know sold out crowd, like you said, we'll see, but you're at home playing against that team that beat you last year. I know that's still ingrained in their head. They've said it multiple times a lot of the players even Lincoln Riley is that this game was circled on their calendar this is I mean I wouldn't say that it's perfect because they lost but I'm going to say it's a perfect time to get right and like you said this is a conference game now the conference games start you're going to have to still play Oregon you're still going to have to play Washington and UCLA is playing a little bit good ball too they're playing a pretty good game as well so this is the gauntlet that we were looking at at the beginning of the season and saying, if they can just get through this, maybe with one loss, that would be a win. Now it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know if the, the playoff is out of reach. And I know they dropped eight spots, which is kind of ridiculous. I understand why. But, um, Arash, like you said, there are still a lot of question marks. The defense, they weren't even really that bad against Notre Dame. I think Caleb Williams just put that defense in a bad spot with those turnovers. It kind of put Notre Dame in in great field position every time because they're kind of backed up in every spot. So the defense didn't do, do that bad. I know they gave up a lot of points, but they didn't do too bad. I think the main concern for me is the special teams and the offensive line. Caleb Williams is running for his life out there, and I feel so bad for the guy because he's he's trying to make make things happen and you know as a Heisman candidate he has the ability to move around and make things happen it just didn't happen against Notre Dame I do expect Caleb to come out with some fire I think he's going to have an excellent game he's a high the reigning Heisman winner for a reason and he was still in that conversation and now I know Caleb Williams pays attention to media things there's a lot of talk about Penix there's a lot of talk about Bo Nix and there's a lot of talk about Drake May and I know that Caleb Williams wants his get back and I know that he's probably going to bring it it's not just on him, though. The defense has to yeah. step up at least a little bit. It's not just going to be on Caleb Williams. So this team has the ability to do it, Arash. You and I both know it. They have yeah. the talent to go on a little bit of a run. Even Like I said, even if you lose one of these games through this gauntlet, I'd still see that as a win. But like you said, it can go one of two ways. I just hope that this team has that fire that I would love to have seen from the Dodgers in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree with you there. Uh, You know, the the one good thing uh, is that uh, they have three very difficult conference games coming up. Um, I think actually four, right? So Mm -hmm. you have Utah, you have Mm -hmm. Washington, you have Oregon and UCLA. Three of those four are at the Coliseum. Again, very important to note, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams have not lost at the Coliseum. Again, they lost against Utah in Salt Lake. They lost against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. They lost to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl, and they've lost in South Bend. They have not yet lost at the Coliseum. So if you 
play this out. Not that you want to go to Eugene and lose, but if that if the, if they have two losses on this season, but they beat Utah at the Coliseum, they beat Washington, you know, a, a top five team at the Coliseum, and they beat another uh, perhaps top twenty five team in UCLA at the Coliseum. I think now you're talking. Now you're talking about a team that at least is in that conversation to be in that Pac twelve championship game and. We'll see how that all uh, plays out. Let me ask you this. USC basketball, I think for the first time in a long time, I think everyone's very excited about that. Isaiah Collier, uh, a top uh, number one player in the country. I mean, the fact that they're now recruiting from Georgia and they're recruiting from New York and they're recruiting from all over the country. Um, you know, listen, they, they, they have been one and done the last two March Madness uh, tournaments. However... This could be a fun season for hoops. It could, and it's unfortunate that Bronny James won't be a part of it to start. I know there's been a lot of talk about him maybe returning during the season. I don't know if that's true because he went through a pretty serious time. But USC basketball, there's a lot to be looking forward to. Isaiah Collier, like you said, he's was the number one guy to get. And like you said, Arash, they're getting guys that they weren't getting before. They're going out and recruiting like a serious program. And I think that's going to bode well for them, not just in the Pac-12, but I think when you get to March Madness, which I do think that they will, they'll be a good team all year. This is a team that USC hasn't had in, in years past. And I think that for now, with the addition of Collier, he's going to take time to develop. He's not going to be amazing right away but i think people are going to see what kind of prospect that he is and and what he can be going forward exactly so listen i mean tough loss in south bend but maybe they write the ship uh, this saturday at the coliseum and folks if you got a ticket for that game continue to go don't be a fair weather fan don't go mm-hmm. or sell your ticket to a utah U. come on you gotta show up please and, uh, support <laughs> the trojans all right grant we'll um, have you back on next week to talk some more dodgers clippers usc all that good stuff uh we'll leave it there for now when we come back we'll talk to michael matthew of the sporting tribune when we come back right here on the mightier 1090s for the california the bet in las vegas and the hawaii sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Ross Marconzi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's head out to the Circus Sports guest hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Michael Matthew. Michael, how are you? Man, doing pretty good. Uh, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you too, my friend. Uh, all right, a lot to get into. Let's start here. It's the beginning of the NBA season coming up. We're about a week away. 
I think everyone's excited in Los Angeles about the prospects for the Lakers, also the Clippers. Uh, just a reminder, the uh, Clippers' uh, home in Hawaii is the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, and they spent uh, some time in Hawaii this uh, preseason as well. Michael, of the two teams, which one, if they're healthy, let's just say if they're, they're both 100% healthy, they both don't have any load management issues, which team do you think will go further this postseason? Man, I really like what the Lakers have done uh, since, you know, last uh, season with the NBA trade deadline, the pieces that they were able to add, the fact that they made the conference finals with a new team. It's like now you give them an entire offseason, a training camp. You have LeBron, you have AD looking to prove everyone wrong. I like the Lakers because, you know, they have the star power. And now with them all being together for how long they have been able to, the pieces fit so well, so I'm favoring the Lakers right now. What did you like in particular? I, I think one of the big things that the Lakers did was continuity. I think the, the last couple of years, they've tried to really do a lot, and the continuity was not there. I love the fact that the trades that they made at the trade deadline worked. There was cohesion there. But the big thing is now that group, you know, you go down the list of Jared Vanderbilt, uh, D'Angelo Russell, guys that they brought in who really succeeded here, Rui Hachimura. Now they have a full uh, summer. They have training camp preseason, and they're going to begin the season. Uh, what in particular, was there a particular um, player move signing? What did you like about what this team did? Just adding the shooting around LeBron. You know, yeah. every year LeBron has won championships. He's always had great shooting around him. And adding players that can knock down shots, adding extra guys that can handle the ball in a D'Angelo Russell, the improvement of Austin Reeves. You have Gabe Vincent there. It allows LeBron to kind of, you know, pick his spots. And when he, he's able to do that, he's very dangerous. Uh, you know, they tried it with Russell, but it just didn't fit because they couldn't get the shooting, the spacing around them. I like Turian Prince, a, a 3 and D guy. Like, it just all fits with LeBron and AD. The shooting, the spacing, the defense, and it all falls into place. And that's why they were able to make that run last season. There's a big story uh, today, this week, perhaps, about James Harden not showing up in Philadelphia. There's been a lot of uh, rumors that really, like, the most... Uh, likely destination for James Harden would be the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers were rightfully so are staying true to what they are willing to trade for James Harden. Beyond just the trade, though, as someone who's played this game, I mean, what do you think about them trading for James Harden once the season begins? And I bring that up only because the Clippers seem to be a tight-knit group. They all got together in Vegas. They had part of their training camp in Hawaii. They've had camp. They've had preseason. If they do a trade for James Harden, who's not the 12th man on the bench, I mean, James Harden is a superstar, what do you think about them making that kind of move once the season begins? Yeah, I'm not a fan of it, man. I really like the chemistry that this team is putting together now. You know, we saw the issues that Russ had with the Lakers not being able to be on the ball as much. Now you want to bring in a guy who loves to play on the ball and loves to be that guy to dribble, dribble, dribble away. So I'm not a fan of the move. That's why I've been big on sticking to what they got. They have depth. You know, they have a lot of players that fits. You know, it's all about a fit. And I don't yeah. think that James really fits with that roster. But, you know, the names always sell in L.A. <laughs> why moves are made. But if I'm the Clippers, I'm at least giving this roster 20, 25 games to really see what they can do. 
If you're the GM of the Clippers, what's the reason that they remain in the running for Harden? It does seem like they're the only team from what we've heard, read, uh, currently that are kind of still in play here. Uh, if you were the GM of the Clippers, what's the reason that you would still want him? Just because if he's motivated, he's still a guy that can come out and get you 20 plus, get you 10 assists, you know, the way that he can play. But like I said, like, I just don't see the fit unless you trade Russell to clear out that space for James. Yeah. If you're going to do that, then it makes sense. But if not, you have another guy who needs the ball. So I don't know where the fit's going to be. But, you know, it's about the big name. He is James Harden. When he is right, he is one of the better players and very explosive offensive player but you know they have to really be careful and not mess up the chemistry it looks like that they're creating this offseason and with this training camp explain to a fan who's not clear on that because sometimes people don't realize how important chemistry is they just look at the big names and they're like oh you know if you can get James Harden and uh, pair him with, you know, Kawhi and Paul George now you're going to win uh, there's something to be said for chemistry right Mm -hmm. No, yeah, chemistry is very clutch. Like you look at the uh, the, the champions, the Denver Nuggets, they're yeah. a team who has built years of chemistry together to where everybody knows their role. Nobody is stepping on each other's toes. They know that Jokic is the guy. They know that Murray is the second guy. They have MPJ there and everybody else is just fitting and playing a role. And I think that having that chemistry allows guys to play in those roles to get the best out of your entire squad. Switching gears, I was in South Bend, unfortunately, Michael, for that terrible USC Notre Dame game. Not, not, not that I expected them to win. I, I really came in with the, the the understanding that you know this could be a loss. However, I, I did expect it to be a, a very good game. I expected it to be a one possession game late. Uh, that game was never close. It was basically done in the first half. Uh, Caleb Williams for the first time in his collegiate career throwing three picks in the first half. Um, I say that because their season's not done. And I think there's a lot of people who's thinking that their season's done. They never, at any point this season, look like a college football playoff team. They never, at any point this season, look like one of the top four teams. That being said, they didn't lose a conference game. And now their conference schedule really turns, uh, you know, now it really begins. Utah comes to the Coliseum. Your thoughts on this team? I don't think there's a switch here. I'm hoping there is. I'm hoping that I tune into this game Saturday at the Coliseum and they shock me. Um, your thoughts on this USC team as they go into a very critical game against Utah? Man, uh, USC is so Caleb dependent. Like, yep. talked about it last week that he can give you Superman performances, but even Superman had kryptonite. Mm -hmm. So even he has his flaws and... We saw it uh, with this game in South Bend that he has his flaws. They were forcing him to turn the ball over, and it makes it very tough because the defense has been the issue. We all complained this offseason, bringing an NFL guy for, for the defense, but they didn't do it, and I think that's going to come back to bite uh, Lincoln Riley. So if they win, so this is why I really told people that their season's not done yet, but it can go one of two ways uh, with this game against Utah. They have four significant uh, conference games left uh, against Utah at the Coliseum, Washington at the Coliseum. Do they have to go to Eugene to play the Ducks? That could be a loss. But then you get UCLA at the Coliseum, three of their four big games, and then uh, they have one more a game against Cal on the road, uh, one more game on that terrible Pac-12 <laughs> network before they move on from that. But 
So three out of four significant conference games are at home. And the one thing that I will say is that Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams have not lost at the Coliseum. So if you're looking for maybe some kind of hope there, um, do you think, what are the chances? Do you think this team could go on the, on a quote unquote run? I think if they lose one conference game, they're in that Pac-12 championship game. Uh, what do you think about USC finding a way into that Pac-12 championship game? No, I believe that they have a chance, and it starts this week. If they can yep. take the business at home against Utah, kind of get that 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 spark back into them because they were humbled last week. So hopefully this is the wake-up call to say, I know we have Caleb. I know we've done a lot of great things, but we have to get our act together. And it starts this week against Utah. If they can defeat Utah, get their confidence back flowing, like you said, everything is in front of them to make a playoff run just winning out. And I think they have a chance to do so because, you know, that offense can get a spark. Caleb isn't going to turn the ball over like he did every game, but it's going to be about that defense stepping up and helping the offense and giving them more opportunities. And they're going to have a shot. I, I'm yeah. not giving up on USC. I believe that they're a team that can still make it happen. I didn't expect them to win, uh, to be undefeated. I expected them to lose a game. So now it's that time. They got the loss under the belt. Now it's time to keep pushing forward. You do a great job covering UCLA and a variety of teams at the Sporting Tribune. Uh, you listen, UCLA now plays Stanford. Should should be a win. Stanford is a terrible team. However, following that, they do play uh, the the. Uh, I think this game may be in Corvallis. Coming, no wait. Tell me what UCLA's schedule. Well, let me actually pull up their uh, schedule because I I had it in front of me. Yeah, so they play Stanford. Uh, mm -hmm. This Saturday, and then Colorado, Michael. I cannot wait for your coverage at the Rose Bowl when Coach Prime <laughs> in Colorado comes to town again. A lot of focus on USC, and rightfully so. UCLA, however, is a top twenty-five team. Tell me about UCLA. Could they go on a run and surprise some people too? Yeah, they have some very winnable games coming up. Like you said, the Stanford game. You're hoping that they take care of business. They're at home versus Colorado, so that helps a lot. At Arizona, they play Arizona State. Their only tough game on the schedule is the cross-town rivalry with, with USC. So yeah. it's going to come down to Dante Moore. Um, if he can play, I know he's a true freshman. It's a lot of pressure to put on him here in uh, beautiful Southern California. But if he can play and look a lot like that guy that we saw earlier in the year, protecting the ball, uh, making plays down the field, they can run the ball so well with Carson Steele. Their defense is really great. I know they had a tough one there in Corvallis this past weekend, but a lot of it was because Moore put them in a tough spot with some big turnovers. So if he can just start to ball out and grow and pick up some of these victories coming up, that USC game may be, you know, an opportunity for them to get into uh, the Pac-12 championship game. Your thoughts on, uh, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of when I was in South Bend and I'm walking around Chicago, a lot of USC fans, and I'm thinking, you know, they, this is this is a sign of things to come. I mean, I, I was uh, uh, happy that the number of USC fans who made the uh, trip to Chicago, and you know, that's been the case every other year. Again, USC, Notre Dame, uh, they always uh, turn up for those games. But again, the move to the Big Ten, you know, this will be a regular occurrence when you're hopping on that flight. You're going to either, uh, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, you go down the list. Um, your thoughts, last season in the Pac-12, 
How do you think both of these teams will respond moving into the Big Ten from really a recruiting standpoint as well? I mean, you, you kind of almost have to change how you recruit to compete there. Yeah, um, it's going to be, you know, those first few years is going to be a lot of adjusting for the, the Bruins and Trojans because, like you said, the, certain, the type of recruits you get, taking those trips, seeing how people are going to travel. It's much easier to travel when you have to go to Arizona, Arizona, yeah. you know, schools like that. But now you're going to have to go to Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. It's a big adjustment. So I'm going to be curious to see because not only do you have to adjust – with that, you have to adjust what type of players you bring in because Pac-12 football is much different than uh, Big Ten football. The style of play, you know, the weather that you have to deal with. You have to bring a good defense, be able to run the ball. So, you know, for people who thinking that, hey, man, SC is just going to come out, UCLA, they're going to be able to adjust quickly and dominate and play good football. I think it's going to take a couple years before they actually get on track and adjusting to being a Big Ten football team. Switching gears to the National Football League, you were at SoFi Stadium, Rams, Cardinals. Not only was that a significant win, significant comeback win for the Rams, uh, they did it on a Sunday where the San Francisco 49ers lost to Cleveland, the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the New York Jets. Uh, they're in the running. If the season were to come to an end today, they would be a playoff team, which again, when we've talked about this, like we were kind of both thinking, like, is this team going to take? Are they going to take for Caleb? Uh, this, this team, they look like a playoff team. Again, the only bad loss, if you can call it that, would be to Cincinnati because there's no shame in losing to what I still believe are the top two teams in the league in Philadelphia and San Francisco. Your thoughts on this team? No, um, and even that loss to Cincinnati wasn't bad because it is exactly. a, a team that just made the AFC championships. Mm. So they only have those three losses under the belt. But this Sunday is going to tell us a lot. Mm. Uh, they're at home against a 3-2 and two Steelers team who can look all, all right sometimes, but they don't look great. Uh, if the Rams can take care of business, I think we can start really looking at them as a team that's going to fight for the playoffs because Matthew Stafford, is looking like himself. Cooper Cup, you know, I wrote uh, for in the article with the Sporting Tribune, he's looking like himself after wow. a dominant performance. Uh, Puka Nakua, the things that he's doing, uh, you know, I was able to ask Cooper, like, man, how is it you showing up, you're back playing, and you have Puka there, you have Tutu performing well. And I hate that Kyron Williams went down with the ankle yeah. injury because he was playing some great, great football. But I, th I, I think that it's next man up. That they're going to be able to continue to run the ball. Aaron Donald is doing what he's doing, but it's going to come down. Picking up this victory against the Steelers is, are going to let me know if I can take this team serious or not. Exactly. I mean, these next couple of weeks here, again, uh, Pittsburgh, again, you can hear a lot about it because nobody, no one's fan base, I think, uh, travels quite like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, And I was at that game in Vegas uh, where um, – just, it was it was just a ton of Pittsburgh Steelers fans. You're probably going to see that. However, the Ravens are used to this. Uh, this is a significant game, as you touched on. If they can find a way to win, then you go into Dallas, which again that 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 is a big game. 
Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, as someone who watches the Cowboys every week, I mean, this is a good team, but not a great team. I think the Rams have a chance to win there, and 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 then they can go on a run here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's switch gears uh, to the uh, Chargers. Uh, speaking of the Cowboys, the Chargers had a tough loss on Monday Night Football at SoFi Stadium against the Cowboys. Justin Herbert did not look like himself. Uh, had a couple of bad throws there that uh, you know did did not put them in a position to win when they had a chance to at least tie or perhaps win the game. Uh, your thoughts on the Chargers now, again, going into a critical stretch here where if they lose to the Chiefs, which, uh, you know, I think the most most people think that, that they could, um, man, now now you're looking at them like as a team that may not even make the playoffs this year. Yeah, like that That was a, a you know, they just had some tough losses this year. You lose by two to Miami. You lose in overtime uh, by three to the Titans. And then this Dallas game, just this O-line has made it tough for Justin Herbert. And I think it's that time that we start to talk about it. Like, Justin Herbert is a guy that can get you numbers. But he's 27-27 and for his career. When it comes to a lot of these close games, he can get the ball at the end with two minutes. I said, hey, if you want to be a league guy, go down and tie this game or score seven to win this game. And he turned the ball over. And to be one of those elite guys like Joe Burrow, like Pat. Patrick Mahomes, you have to win these games late. So it's going to be very tough because if they take a, a loss to the Chiefs here, they have the Bears, um, then you are at the Jets on Monday night, which is tough. Detroit yeah. at Green Bay. Like, we may be looking at a team that possibly – who would have thought, uh, Rosh, that the Rams would be the team that would <laughs> possibly being in the playoffs and the Chargers not making it, but it's starting to look that way. You know, the interesting thing for everyone to kind of watch for is if the Chargers uh, don't make the playoffs and decide to make a move, begin to track what's happening in New England. I'm I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but if things don't pan out in New England with Bill Belichick, and again, he's not going to get fired, but what's probably going to happen at the end of that season is he's going to say, listen, my time here has come to an end. It's been amazing. We've won all these Super Bowls, and he's going to leave. I don't think he's ready to retire, but I do think he wants to align himself with a team with a great quarterback in a very good defense, at least on paper. And what an amazing situation that would be for the Chargers to have a uh, perhaps a coach like Bill Belichick. We'll see what what happens there. But I, I think we're in agreement. If the Chargers don't make the playoffs, they have to make a coaching change, right? Yeah, they, you have to because Staley shouldn't have been back this year, I feel. I, I felt know. You have a chance to get Sean Payton. You have to go and get that guy. But... Arash, that Bill Belichick move, that <laughs> happens, oh my gosh, uh, it will be a crazy move, but it's something that you should look at, because when Bill Belichick has a quarterback, he's always going to fight for a, a championship, so maybe, just maybe, that would be an ideal move for the Chargers, but we're going to see, they still have some hope when you have, yeah. the team have on that roster, but it's going to come down to winning some of these games, and this one this weekend in Kansas City will be a, a huge win if they can somehow pick it up. Yes, I mean, I, it, it, uh, I'm i just uh, thinking about this because, you know, a lot of people are, are beginning to wonder, is Bill, Bill Belichick's time in New England done? And I think it is. And by the way, there, there's no shame in that. Uh, that doesn't mean his coaching career is done. But I think sometimes uh, you, 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 you kind of, uh, you know, are in one place and you need a change of scenery. So whether it's Vegas, by the way, Vegas is a potential place. The mm-hmm. Chargers could be. 
So we'll see how all that plays out. Michael, you're the best. Looking forward to all the great coverage you're going to provide at the Sporting Tribune uh, this week, this weekend, and moving forward. Uh, That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.